Move, Go, Walk, and Flow. This podcast, Special Needs in Motion, is dedicated to helping individuals learn to move and function at their best. Listen along to learn a little, laugh a little, and be inspired. Please like and share so others can have access and join our community. Well, let's go. I'm your host, Ilana, a physical therapist, product developer, mom, wife, author, blogger, and known to many as the idea therapist. I love a great discussion, connecting and coaching the families with whom I work, and it is a pleasure to be your host. Just a quick note, if you would like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me, Ilana, I-L-A-N-A, at theideatherapist.com, or check the show notes. And any information shared on this podcast should not be taken as direct advice, and you should consult your local therapist, professional, or doctor before trying anything suggested in this podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is Ilana, the host of Special Needs in Motion, and I'm here today with Michelle Weiner, a physical therapist and a friend who specializes in hippotherapy. She is a certified hippotherapist. And Michelle, first of all, thank you for joining me. (laughs) You're welcome. And I'm going to let you do a lot of the talking, as I generally do with interviews, because we want everyone to hear all your information that you have to share that I think is going to be really valuable to the listeners. So why don't you first start and just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to find hippotherapy. Okay, so first, can I make one correction that we don't call ourselves hippotherapists? We call ourselves physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists who use the motion of the horse or equine motion as part of our treatment tools. Perfect. Um, Well, thank you for clarifying that. (laughs) No problem. We always want to make sure that there's recognition that we are still therapists, therapists like anybody else. We just have one additional tool in our toolbox to use, and that is the horse. So I learned about hippotherapy actually way back even when I was in PT school. My parents had taken me, had heard about it, and then they actually took me somewhere in Israel to see some sort of therapy session going on using a horse. It is possible it was therapeutic riding, which is done by riding instructors and not by therapist. But again, I was like 19. So it was a really, uh-huh. really long time ago. Um, and I think that clarification is good too, because because I've had those questions before. You know, Yes. Just- so a lot of places offer both therapeutic riding as well as hippotherapy and therapeutic riding or adaptive riding is teaching riding skills, horseback riding skills to people with disabilities. They're they may incidentally gain strength or improve their speech production or gain better fine motor skills, but that's not the express purpose of what they're doing. The purpose of what they're doing is to teach riding skills. Whereas in hippotherapy, our purpose is to gain gross motor, fine motor, or speech and language skills. The riding, I always tell parents, I might work with your kid for three years and they still won't actually know how to ride a horse. So like, don't just stick them on a horse and head out into the wild um, because I'm not teaching how to ride a horse. But so many years ago now, my parents took me to see this 
place that was doing something therapeutic with kids and horses. And I was like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and <Right>. Awesome. <laughs> it only, only took me 17 years of being a physical therapist before I actually realized my dream. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So, so that's great. So what, what would you say is the difference between, let's say, somebody going for standard physical therapy and coming to you to work Mm -hmm. on the horse? So typically, the patients we tend to see tend to have significant disabilities. Although, I will say for some orthopedic type conditions, the responses could be amazing. We just aren't using it in that way in general. Uh But typically, most of our patients have more significant disabilities, whether it be autism, cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, different genetic syndromes, any number of conditions. Mm -hmm. Although, but the orthopedic piece sometimes I did was doing six weeks of physical therapy for some sciatica symptoms I was having and did not see significant improvement. But I spent 20 minutes on a horse. And felt better than I did <laughs> after six weeks of therapy. Awesome. You know, it's so interesting when you're doing something that's so functional, you know, mm-hmm. and and engaged with your environment or an animal. It's just like all of a sudden, it's so, it's so much more impactful, I would think. Yes. The patients don't view this as another therapy session. This is their horseback riding time. And so while we make it very, very clear to the parents that this is therapy, we are still doing therapy. We don't always stress that to the kids as much. And, oh, here we go. Okay, let's go for our horseback ride. And then we have them do all the different exercises and activities that we want. So I can work on weight shifting. I can work on sit to stand transitions. I can work on reaching outside a base of support. All Mm -hmm. different things. Just using the horse. Are there certain principles that are unique to hippotherapy? So the basic principles that we work off of is we start with a basic understanding of how the human pelvis moves during gait and what our bodies are doing in response to those movements during gait. And then we look at what is the horse's pelvis doing during gait. And they actually move incredibly Similarly, so you're moving forward in space, you're getting rotation, you're getting tilting, anterior posterior tilting, and you're getting side bend, lateral tilts. And the horse's pelvis does all of those movements as well. And as the horse's pelvis does it with the patient sitting on top, it gets translated into the patient. So we can use that movement either to challenge the patient or if needed, we can match the patient's strengths because that might be the only way they're going to be able to meet their goals for initially. Right. And do you get like trunk elongation also, like mm-hmm. on that weight bearing side? Yeah. So let's say, especially if I want to enhance that trunk elongation that you see, because you do get it, but it's often, it's pretty subtle. But now if we start doing things like having the horse walk in circles, mm-hmm. then you'll get enhancement of that as the patient leans to compensate for that circular force. If we want to do alternating, we can do like weaving patterns around cones or in the horse world, it's called serpentines and make those weaving patterns to alternate the trunk elongation on either side. That's so cool. So you can have the horse do certain things Mm -hmm. 
depending on what your goals are. Yes. Is there an age limit? Like, is it any age? So no younger than two because the patients need to wear a helmet. So you need to have enough head and neck and you need to have enough head and neck control in general, as well as to just tolerate the weight of a helmet as well, even though they're light, but it's still weight on the head. So we Mm -hmm. say no younger than two. And up until a doctor says you should no longer be on a horse. (laughs) Um, I mean, there are medical contraindications, Mm -hmm. um, but (laughs) other than that, yeah, no, you could be on a horse as long as you want until your doctor's like, yeah, no more. And does the horse help with any stretching? Is that also done? Yes. I actually had one of my patients who um, has scoliosis and I was trying to stretch the concave side. So the same way you might have a patient side lie over a bolster or a ball, uh-huh. I had him side lying over the horse because I realized I have this nice round shaped object. And not only can he side lie over it, but now we can even get some movement. So you're getting a little bit of like mobilizations in there as well. Wow. And I've seen people also like backwards on the horse, like on all fours, but is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we do backwards. So by default, the shape of the horse is a little higher in the front than the back. Mm -hmm. So if you're having trouble getting your patient out of like a posterior pelvic tilt and getting into that neutral or anterior the anterior pelvis, sometimes turning them around will help. It's almost like sitting on a wedge. And then, right. And then we can transition into quadruped on hands and knees or into tall kneeling. And then I'm sure there's just also the benefit of bonding with the animal. Oh, yes, definitely. The kids love, even the adults, everyone loves the horses. Um, And so that's another big plus. And we use that. Oh, reach forward and touch your horse's mane. And lo and behold, the kids reach outside their base of support, even when before they might have been afraid to do something like that. Now, I know you're a physical therapist, but Mm -hmm. what about like speech and OT? Just touch on that a little bit. So, yeah, for sure. So from an OT perspective, again, OTs in order for kids to start using their arms functionally, they need to have that core stability. So the horse really works that core stability, and then you can layer on top of it all the different fine motor activities. I use a lot of fine motor activities as well. I just don't really comment on what the hand is doing because that's not my area of expertise. But the OTs really func- work look at what the hand is doing in those. And are y'all things. overlapping? So you so they're there with you at the same time, or is it a separate treatment? So most kids who come to where I'm working will do either OT or PT, depending on what their primary area of need is. But a lot of times what I will do, or if I want a little more input on what would be the best activity for me to do, or how can I help with this, we'll have an OT do an eval or do a session or two to then give me some feedback. And the same thing for the OTs to me. They'll then say, you know what, let's get a PT eval and do a couple of PT sessions so that you can give us some more input on how we can help with whatever it is, whether it be sitting upright more or different gait issues. From the speech perspective, certain positions are thought to, known to encourage different sounds. I actually, with one of my patients, I sort of wish I was her speech therapist because the family has a lot of goals around speech. And while she was with me, when she started, whenever she wanted the horse to stop, she did a great job. She said, whoa. Unfortunately, every time she wanted the the horse to start walking, she tried to say go, 
but all that came out was, whoa. So a little <laughs> confusing for everybody, but we, we got what you wanted. Last year, all of a sudden, and I knew the touch cue to cue a guttural. A speech therapist had taught me how to cue it. And so I was cueing that guttural G, and she did it. Wow, that's awesome. And then I was so excited <laughs> that her mom was laughing when she watched because she did it when she was laying down on the horse. So then I made her sit up and do it. And then I made her do it on her hands and knees. And then I made her do it in tall kneeling. And so I made her do it in all the different positions to make sure that she didn't have it only in one position that's facilitating the sound, but that she could really do it in every single position and carry it out through her into the rest oh, of the that's world. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So, <laughs> amazing. Okay. So parents who are interested in this, obviously there's a funding question because. <laughs> yes. You know. So tell us just how some parents handle it. You know, what are some of the options? So different, every we're, we're a clinic, basically the same as any other clinic. Different clinics handle it different ways. We are primarily, the clinic I work for is primarily private pay. I believe we are now in network with Blue Cross Blue Shield, but they cover it sort of on an as, you know, case by case visit, uh, case by case basis, it seems. Mm -hmm. There are other places that do accept insurance. Different families do it different ways and different clinics go different ways. Okay. Well, that's good information. So tell me what special training did you receive to do this? So this is part of where it took me 17 years to get there because in order to start doing this, you have to really have done the American Hypotherapy Association level one training, which is the basic principles of hypotherapy. They have a level one and a level two. In order to start, you really need to have done the level one. You're expected to treat for a while, even before you go and take the level two training. I personally did the level one, treated for a year, did the level two, and then I sat for the exam, which is the hypotherapy clinical specialist exam to become certified. And where would a therapist find training? So there's a website, the American Hypotherapy Association.com org, I think. Okay. Um, all right. So they can Google that. Yes. And they list all the different trainings they have coming up. They do them all throughout the country. Okay. And how can a parent who's interested find more information? You know, do they just like in their local area? So that website, the same website, the American Hypotherapy Association website should have a listing of therapists by state However, mm -hmm. the last time I was on, it actually looked like they were still, they were updating their website. So if a parent was to go onto the American Hypotherapy Association website and not find any therapists in their state, a Google search might be, might be a good way to start looking, but making sure to look for therapists who are doing this. I'm pleased to hear the little chatter and noises and barking. <laughs> phone calls so everyone understands how busy you are. And, and <laughs> that would be my own children making yes, lots of yes. noise in the background. That's actually no, how I found my job. Was really? I was looking for into hypotherapy for my son. Mm -hmm. In the end, I mean, you know him a little bit that he does some toe walking and mm -hmm. he's a very persistent toe walker. And in the end, we decided that therapeutic riding lessons were more appropriate because my family does go horseback riding. So teaching uh -huh. riding skills was actually important to me for him. Uh-huh. But for 
when I was doing that, I saw that the place I ended up getting a job also had openings for therapists. And I volunteered for six months at the site to make sure that I really wanted to do this and then did the training and started working. Well, that's great. Are there any types of children that you would say should not be treated or are contraindicated? Or so like, there know? are contraindications like a child with Down syndrome who has atlantoaxial instability. That would be a contraindication. Uncontrolled grand mal seizures would be another contraindication. If they're fully controlled, that's okay. Or small, you know, the absence seizures or penny mal seizures are okay. But uncontrolled grand mal are contraindication. Dislocated hips (laughs) is also, unless they have been fixed. So different hip conditions sometimes can be a concern. Uh-huh. Um, open wounds, especially if they are in weight-bearing surfaces, are a contraindication. Part of our intake forms that anywhere reputable should be having an intake form that goes through the list of contraindications with families to make sure. Right. And any can- types of uh, clients that are like the best, you know, like you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, like those are the best for hippotherapy. No. <laughs> okay. I think, I think it would benefit so many more people that are actually yeah. using it. Yeah. Yes. The other yes. thing where we sometimes have to draw a limit is also size of patient. So okay. right now I do have a patient who's five foot 11 and I'm five foot three. So uh-huh. a patient who's particularly tall adult sized patients, we need to judge whether they can sit up independently for long enough that we can have them on the horse without me having to physically hold them up the entire session. Right. Cause you're like walking next to the horse. With your I'm arms walking up yes. for hours, right? <laughs> so ideally the patients can sit up more than they need support. If okay. I, if I, a five foot 11 patient who I need to hold up, I would not be able to treat. But like some of the smaller kids that like really don't sit up well. Those still, kids, right. So kids we can see. And you're, you're supporting them while they're on that horse? like Yes. What we often will start with is I'll pick tack that for the horse that can help support the child. Uh-huh. So I have a pad, essentially, like a fancy pad, which has a handlebar on it that I can slide the handlebar in and out. So, okay, well, if you can sit with handlebar support, then that works. So this five foot 11 patient with one hand on the handlebar, he can keep himself upright the entire session. So I'm like, I can do this. You know, if if a patient weighed, I wouldn't be able to take a patient who weighed 180 to 200 pounds because if I needed to do an emergency dismount and get that patient off the horse, I would have a problem. Are there any tips or advice you would give to New parents just starting out doing hippotherapy, for example, what to wear or any advice? So we are pretty flexible on clothing, closed toed shoes. If it's cold, bundle up. If it's hot, don't wear too much. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's because we're not doing riding lessons. We are not strict about, oh, you need to wear boots and you need to wear special pants and you need to have we don't require all of that. I've had a kid come in a little tiny skirt mm-hmm. <laughs> and tank tops. I've had heavy coats. Uh, we can sort of accommodate most of that, but closed toed shoes is a must. 
just from a safety perspective. Mm -hmm. The place I work has helmets that families can use until they're ready to purchase their own. Or if they say, you know what, I really don't even want to purchase a helmet, then we'll provide them with a loaner to keep using every time they come visit. I always try to tell parents before the first session to remind them that this is still physical therapy. So your first visit will be an evaluation. I still have to do my own physical therapy evaluation. If a kid's recently done, let's say the Peabody, then great. If you can give me that report, that's terrific. I'm not going to repeat the Peabody, but I will do some sort of evaluation and I may not get your child on the horse for the first visit okay, because well, to I need to evaluate what horse is most appropriate, what tack is most appropriate, how well can your child sit. One of my patients couldn't sit very well on his own at all. So besides the handlebar, which was not great for him because he could not consistently hold on to the handlebar. We used boppy pillows around his waist to help give him some extra support. Okay. Awesome. All right. So those are some good tips. And then last, just how can therapists find your particular location or you or? I work at a clinic called My Heroes Therapy. The main office is out in Colorado. So if anyone goes Google's for that website. Don't be shocked. <laughs> they have multiple sites it's out in Colorado and in Atlanta. I know I am listed on the American Hippotherapy Association website because someone recently contacted me from there. Um, if someone wants to reach out to me, my personal email for work-related is michelle at mwptservices.com. And reaching out via email is often the best way. Well, thank you so much. I think it's been so insightful, at least for me, and also for everyone else. And again, we so appreciate your taking time from your family to uh, speak tonight. And, and uh, yeah, and I'll add one more thing that we often at my site, which I work at Chestane Horse Park, we get people coming, therapists, therapists, and sometimes parents, but a lot of times therapists contacting me. Um, to come and visit or observe and see and shadow a session. So yeah, I, I love would it. love to do that. So <laughs> I love put that on my, on my agenda. We'll come. <laughs> I love having people come. I love teaching about it and letting people see what we do because yeah. it's yeah. amazing. Well, it's, it's so helpful. Like I said, to have other therapies that can accentuate therapy dynamic. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great evening. Thank you. Thank you for listening and sharing. I really appreciate your helping me spread tips that might be of help to someone you know. And remember that why is not near as important as what and how. Have a special day.